the HODLcast. I'm Sasha Hodder, and this week we're going to zoom in on Bitcoin mining. So last week, the White House released a new report on the climate and energy implications of crypto assets that suggested the Biden administration will seek to limit proof-of-work mining. They want everything to be centralized, like the recent ETH merge with proof-of-stake. The quote said, the administration should consider working with Congress to enable the Department of Energy to promulgate and regularly update energy conservation standards for crypto asset mining, blockchains, and other operations. It sounds like they really want to create a moving target similar to the inflation basket. They can just make it whatever they want it to be. If they decide they don't want Bitcoin anymore because they're rolling out CBDCs or something of that nature, they can use this artificial target to just say, okay, no more mining. Nick Carter made an annotated version of the report. I highly recommend checking it out. Some notes that he pointed out, the number they cited, $145 billion as the cost to climate change. That includes every natural disaster from last year. The report citations were largely rejected from the Bitcoin wiki page for lacking academic integrity, and some citations were even from DeVry, a completely uncredible source, basically paid opposition to Bitcoin. They should have done their own research or used Cambridge or NYDIG numbers instead. The numbers they based their findings on didn't account for technology improvements in mining equipment or the shift coming in 2035 once miners switch to transaction approvals as opposed to the actual mining of new coins. They overinflated the energy, uh, the industry's energy demand by quoting non-binding indications of interest from the crazy bull market of 2021 as all the Bitcoin miners were migrating from China to Texas. The numbers they're using, you know, they're not real numbers and they're basing all this off uh, indications of interest that never came to fruition. They compared proof-of-stake mining and proof-of-work mining as being the same thing. As we know, proof-of-stake is a controlled system like we already have in the banking system. Proof-of-work is its biggest competitor. The report also assumes that energy consumption is proportional to the hash rate, but that's not true. The consumption depends on the efficiency of the async mining rig being used. The report said China banned Bitcoin mining because of its climate goals, which is is completely delusional. We know China, you know, they've opened more coal plants last year than the rest of the world combined. China banned Bitcoin mining because they want total control over the citizens. And based on this energy report, so does the Biden administration. The whole report used lazy assumptions by hobbyists and not academics. It's unsurprisingly closely aligned with what the World Economic Forum and the Greenpeace FUD campaigns against Bitcoin have been saying for the past year. Things like, you know, the long-awaited Ethereum merges here. The world's second largest cryptocurrency now uses 99.95% less energy, dramatically cutting its climate pollution. That's what Greenpeace says. They say, now it's time for Bitcoin to change. Change the code, not the climate. The World Economic Forum has put tweets out like, a change in the way Bitcoin is coded could almost eliminate its environmental impact. Bitcoin mining is negligible on a global scale. The narrative that the Biden and the World Economic Forum are spewing out that Bitcoin uses some 
somewhere between 120 and 240 billion kilowatt hours per year. And they say this is more than some small countries like Argentina or Australia. But those countries outsource almost all of their manufacturing to China anyway. These numbers that they're using and comparing to, when they're put in perspective, the Bitcoin network, it uses less energy than YouTube. It uses less energy than gold mining. In 2020, it represented only 0.04% of global primary energy consumption and 0.2% of global electricity generation and 0.1% of global carbon emissions. These numbers are so small for what Bitcoin offers the world, which is the best form of currency that's ever existed. Bitcoin mining is actually solving some of the major energy problems. One of the characteristics of proof-of-work mining is that Bitcoin is done with cast-off energy in jurisdictions that are politically welcoming. Any country that would decide Bitcoin miners are not welcome, well, the miners will just move to another country. One of the powerful characteristics of this network is that it's decentralizing to the most supportive political jurisdiction and the least expensive energy anywhere in the world. The other thing that happens is that the miners are constantly securing the network, the political aspects of mining. So the energy used for this proof of work creates multiple layers of security. And I got these layers from a sailor podcast, but I thought they were really good. So first, um, they co-opt all the energy producers worldwide to secure the network because it's the highest value use of energy in the world. It incentivizes technological innovation because the miners are continually building better equipment that's more energy efficient. It incentivizes politicians because the mining region uh, brings massive revenue and jobs to the locations. It incentivizes Wall Street because the mining companies are largely financed there. And mining decentralizes the Bitcoin network spatially because they can't all locate in the same area or there wouldn't be enough energy in that spot. And the hundreds of miners have major vested interests in defending the network, all the money they've invested in their equipment. Arcane Research recently put out a report and they said that Bitcoin mining is doing four things. It's strengthening the electricity grid, improving the economies of renewable energy, mitigating natural gas flaring, and repurposing wasted heat. So when we look at how it's strengthening the grid, one of today's biggest energy challenges is replacing the electricity grid's lost flexibility. Fossil fuel power generation allowed seasonal supply-side adjustments, but as we move closer to the International Energy Association's net zero goals for 2030, the increased energy from solar and wind make it difficult to adjust power generation based on the demand. If there are conditions where more energy is required than is available, miners can temporarily shut off and then they let the utility providers like hospitals, you know, they can get the power first and the miners actually get paid <laughs> to shut off. For example, the miners, they can react really quickly and it's it's very low cost for them to shut off, especially since they're getting paid compared to something like a data center that can't just shut off or a steel plant. Um, they'd have a, an extremely high cost of shutting down. It improves the economies of renewable energy. So according to a report by the Bitcoin Mining Council, the global Bitcoin mining industry ran an estimated 58.5% renewable energy by Q4 2021, which as I'll get into later, the actual overall global mix is 11% renewable. So Bitcoin is you know, very heavily in the renewable. Bitcoin mining's combination of location flexibility and the fact it can be interrupted without a high cost means it's the perfect buyer for excess renewable energy. Miners can seek areas with excess wind or solar and consume the surplus of excess energy. Having a Bitcoin mining load 
right next to a remotely located wind and solar plant prevents energy waste and it improves the economic of these projects. The future of these wind and solar projects really depend on flexible consumers that can purchase the excess energy. Mitigating natural gas flaring. Bitcoin mining mitigates the natural gas flaring. Gas flaring is the 160-year-old practice of burning off the uneconomical natural gas that gets in the way of oil extraction. This flaring used to create heavy emissions without any utility until Bitcoin miners started harnessing the excess natural gas to avoid the flaring altogether. So basically, when oil is getting extracted, oil is lower on the ground than the natural gas. And to get the oil up, they have to get this natural gas out of the way. So they take it and they just burn the shit out of it. And now Bitcoin miners, they can get in there and capture the natural gas. So instead of just burning it off, it actually powers the miners. And it's it's like just the most amazing thing ever, really. It worked out really well for these two 23-year-olds in Texas. They made $4 million so far this year just from repurposing natural gas players in Texas. Their company, Giga, puts shipping containers full of thousands of Bitcoin miners on an oil well and diverts the natural gas into generators which convert the gas into electricity that powers the miner. And this process drops CO2 emissions by 63% compared to flaring, according to Caruso Energy Systems Research. The fourth positive is heating homes. So miners, they get hot. And in places like Canada and Scandinavia, they've started repurposing the heat from Bitcoin mining to subsidize the cost of electricity for heating the homes. There's a piece of mining equipment called HeatBit. It costs $1,150. I think I'm going to send one to my dad for Christmas. He's really into tech gadgets. It can heat 170 square feet while simultaneously mining Bitcoin at a 14 terahash per second rate using 1,300 watts of energy. Home and industrial heating is the world's largest energy use, accounting for almost half the global energy consumption. And there's still countries banning Bitcoin mining. You know, the World Economic Forum has a really long arm reach. It, it has, as they said, penetrated many cabinets. So when China banned Bitcoin miners, some miners moved to Iran and Kazakhstan, and then they got banned there. India, Sweden, Norway, and the EU are all considered considering a ban, as well as making similar arguments as the Biden administration that proof of stake accomplishes the same end with less waste. They're saying that Bitcoin's robbing an area's energy, and if they have mining going on, there won't be enough energy left over to produce cars, steel, or light the citizens' homes. Well, Texas, <laughs> the CEO Brad Jones of the uh, ERCOT, which is the Texas grid, they have welcomed every miner, <laughs> maybe not everyone, but they've welcomed the mining community. Ted Cruz, stated that they have cheap power, abundant renewable energy, and a business-friendly regulatory environment. And the Texas grid, known as the ERCOT system, it's been strengthened as a result. Each miner needs a prior approval before they can connect to the grid. And Brad Jones, he said he's planning to make Texas the world's largest mining center. This past summer, Bitcoin miners actually got paid not to mine when the power was needed elsewhere. And then we have methane mining. So there's a guy on Twitter, Daniel Batten, 
He's making the case that using methane, the, the whole Bitcoin network can actually become carbon negative and remove 36 million tons of carbon out of the atmosphere each year. That's a pretty good uh, accomplishment if it can happen. Um, he said that it's the equivalent of planting 2.5 billion trees. It will further decentralize the Bitcoin network and just completely squash all this. But he says the way that we should look at it is the energy consumption times the source of energy determines whether the activity is good, neutral, or bad for the environment. When the source of energy is methane, the more it's consumed, the better for the environment. He said there's already some companies doing this. We should all explore Vespine Energy. They've started putting this methane idea into practice uh, earlier this year in 2022. All this talk about the renewable energy push in this Biden administration report, it's really missing some important information. So all this green technology is not accounting for the its entire life cycle. The production and the disposal of costs are extremely high for some of this technology. It's really hard to extract the rare earth minerals, which are needed to power the wind turbines or the electric car batteries. And then that work is actually offloaded to kids in China or Africa. It's especially true for cobalt, which is used as a magnet for the wind turbines and lithium ion batteries. Greg Braden, he does an amazing video explaining that 51% of the world's cobalt is coming from the Dem Democratic Republic of Congo, and then it's shipped over to China. The way they're treating the people who are doing the mining and the environmental impact of these giant mines, you know, that all to create green energy, they're polluting far worse. And then at the end of the life cycle, the amount of solar panels that are sitting in landfills right now is pretty drastic. And the toxins from these solar panels or the battery equipment, it leaks into the earth. Today's energy mix, right now we have approximately in the US 12% coming from renewables. And of that, of that 18 percent is wood so you know a renewable of like cutting down all our forests 20 percent is biofuel 24 percent is wind 22 percent is hydro and 11 percent is solar but there's another type of energy that we might consider looking at, into. It's thorium. Thorium-based nuclear power generation is fueled by nuclear fission of the isotope uranium-233, which is produced from the fertile element thorium. The thorium fuel cycle can offer several benefits over a uranium fuel cycle, including much greater abundance and availability of thorium on Earth. And it's got superior fuel properties, it's reduced nuclear waste, and and it can't be weaponized like regular uranium can be. A group of scientists from the Georgia Institute of Technology assessed that thorium-based power is a 1,000-plus year solution for sustainable energy, and they think it's the solution to mankind's negative environmental impact. It's super abundant, too. Um, other than lead, it's the next highest found element on the Earth's crust. Climate change in general is a tricky topic. People tend to hear what they want to hear, but if you look at the ice cores, from Antarctica and Greenland, there's actually a new layer of ice formed every year, and it dates back 420,000 years. Humans have only been here 200,000 years, so the data can be looked at to see, you know, are humans really responsible for climate change? And, and it shows up that it's not. <laughs> climate change is a normal cycle. Um, it was happening before we got here, and the world warms for certain periods, then it cools for certain periods. Maybe the pollution contributes to it, but 
it happened before we were here. It is a fact, but it's not entirely caused by humans. Anyway, hard money, it's worth the energy that it consumes. That's my conclusion of today's report. Adam Back came out yesterday. He said, hard money inherently requires an unavoidable production cost. Proof of work is fundamental. People value gold as hard money because it's scarce. And the scarcity inherent means that there must be a production cost for more units. So it is with Bitcoin. Digital gold requires proof of work. Essentially, it is costing 20 basis points to secure the most transformative and powerful technology we've ever seen. Bitcoin is disruptive, decentralized, unconfiscatable, and it's for the people. It's durable, portable, divisible, scarce, and uniform. The global distributed network makes it very unlikely to be hacked, and it can't be controlled by any intermediary or weaponized by the government. It's also the best performing asset class of all time. Bitcoin is energy, and working to secure the network, either by making these educational videos or helping my clients bring their ideas to life despite all these regulatory landmines, it helps me live in a world that feels filled with truth, hope, and abundance. Thank you for watching this video. Let me know in the comments if I've conveyed what we're up against. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you.